Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. everyone and welcome to Aquarian Radio at AquarianRadio.com and I'm your host Janet Carelesson and today is an episode of Experiencers Network and our guests are Linda and Richard Smith and we are going to discuss multi-generational experiencers and uh, they sent me a little intro here director James Carmen the hidden hand covers alien abduction and government cover-ups in 2013, he said in a recent interview on Buzzsaw that abductions are generational, that ETs learn from these chosen bloodlines. Abductees tend to be creative and seem to have psychic abilities and empathic abilities. Are these creative, psychic, empathic abductees this way from genetic manipulation from the ETs, or are they chosen by the ETs because of these abilities? That's a good question. So uh, I'm going to hand this over to Linda and Richard, and you can decide who wants to go first and uh, begin by explaining what do you mean by multi-generational experiencers, and I guess uh, by that uh, topic, you're saying that you are multi-generational experiencers. So tell our listeners what that means for each of you individually and collectively. Over to you guys. Take it away. First and foremost, that was my question that I put on there, Janet. Um, okay. I've been very curious about that. Um, well, that seems as to be that the government uh, chooses people, too, because of the psychic abilities as well for their um, project tout and their covert, you know, black projects. So ETs and the yes. government are looking for psychics. But this is the chicken and the egg. Are they looking for psychics because that's how we're born, or are they looking for psychics because of genetic mutations? And she who asked the question, you must have a good hypothesis uh, or idea what the answer <laughs> is. What have you discovered by your, with your research? I really honestly don't have research. I have just a knowing that hits me in my gut every once in a while. With our own experiences, uh-huh. exactly. yeah. 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 And, um, and what a, what's your – go ahead. Go ahead. Explain what you saw. What I saw? Well, in your experiences, the oh. multi-generation. Um, I just – I personally feel that it's – they're they're watching their experiment, so to speak. I think that uh-huh. we are psychics and empaths, et cetera, because of 
their intervention. And as okay, we progress, so they, they've intervened, and so what? What you're saying is they've intervened, and they've uh, somehow changed us genetically, so we're more psychic and right. empathic. And as and as they watch us from generation to generation, they want to see how their original genetic mutation affects future generations down the line. Okay. Um, so one of my guests said recently that the the current uh, studies in the in one university or several universities show that humanity is becoming less empathic, which was a shocker. Um, but I've heard about these um, programs where they come in and they either uh, you know manipulate the fetus and create the fetus, or they come in later and manipulate the fetus and they introduce uh, other genetics, other DNA. So what do you think has been going on with your family and yourself individually and your family? I know that my mother has had experiences. She actively started documenting her experiences at around age 50. Why? I have no idea. But she has had experiences. She suspects her mother has had experiences, myself and my children. So that would make, if my mother's suspicions are correct, that would make my children the fourth generation of having experiences. Yes. And the uh, same happened in my family. My uh, grandmother told me about her, which would now be an abduction experience. And she told me, she didn't know how to assemble it. That was 1964. And Betty and Marty mm-hmm. Hill hadn't even really come out yet. So she was that explaining was the, the best she could. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, and, you know, I'm an experiencer, and had I had children probably, well, I do have children, but I never gave birth to any here. I've seen my children. So they're full-on right. extraterrestrials <laughs> having a life in some other plane of existence. But, had you had but your children, children are all here. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, not all of them. But I think had you had Earth children, they would have had experiences as well. Because mm-hmm. I think they're, I think they're watching or studying how their genetic mutations um, develop here on Earth, and not under their guidance one hundred percent up there. Do you want, does, does that make sense? Right, yeah. So they're 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 doing an experiment. They want to see they've done this, these uh, changes, and now they want to see how they evolve. So how are you yes. different than humans that haven't had any kind of intervention or manipulation? Oh, I've never really thought of. I've I've always thought of myself as different, but I've never really looked at it through the question you just asked me. Um, the only thing I can say is I've always felt like I didn't fit in with my peers in school. I always felt like I was mm-hmm. different. I always this I always had this internal knowing that there was something different about me. Um, I can read people very quickly from the moment I meet them. I can pick up on bad vibes, good vibes, whatever their emotions, um, and I've always been like that ever since I was a kid. Uh, I. Probably all four of my children are the same way. Some have accepted it. 
the others, there's only one that I think is still in denial about the whole thing, and he's my oldest. She uh, she does it to me all the time, okay, with uh, reading me. Say that again, because I just uh, my my headset's off my head. <laughs> Go ahead, say oh, it with yeah. the last sentence. Sorry. I was just saying, you know, she does it to me all the time in terms of uh, reading me. So, and um, picks up, and sometimes she picks up on things around me that I may not necessarily see myself. So, um. Just this past Saturday, I was in a group of people after our New Mexico UFO and Paranormal group. Uh-huh. We're sitting in the restaurant, and I read three or four people. I read three or four people that were sitting around me. Mm-hmm. It's just things that come to me. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like, like what kind of things come to you about the people around okay, you? Okay, for example, one of the one of the people that I read. From the moment we sat down in in the restaurant, I kept hearing in my head the name Doris, 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 the whole time. Finally, I said, close to the end of the, the afternoon, I said, okay, I don't know what this is or who this is for, but who knows somebody named Doris? And the woman who was sitting across from me all of a sudden had deer-in-the-headlight eyes. She, they got really big, <laughs> and she looked at me. And she just shook her head and she said, I'm going later on with Doris, my friend Doris, to the casino. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea. Um, I was able to, most of the time how I'm able to read things is if I touch something that somebody has worn all the time. The other lady Uh that was sitting across me took her wedding band and I was able to pick up on what was she, what she was going through with her husband, who I think they're getting separated, she said? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this has been something I've been able to do since I, since I was a kid. I don't do it very, well, I do it more often now than when I was a kid because I used to be made fun of. Mm-hmm. My I children think they are, were just I, jealous. <laughs> they were probably yeah, jealous I, that you could do things like that, yes. Possibly, but um, three out of my four children already have, um, what's the word I'm looking for, have uh, confessed to me that they can do that themselves, whether it's through a dream or just like me standing across from somebody. Richard and I were just talking about blood types. I know you have heard that O negative blood type is seems to be the quote-unquote alien blood. Oh, uh, the rhesus negative, yeah, negative blood, but I'm O negative. Okay. So go ahead. Well, what's your, what's okay. your discovery? Mm-hmm. I might, we were talking about this, and it just came to me recently. What if O blood, regardless of positive or negative, stands for original, or original bloodline of their genetic experimentation going back hundreds of thousands of years? And then there's well, alpha o, and beta. O is the um, O is the the uh, global donor. Like the O can be no, donated o, ne- o negative is the global donor. Mm-hmm. O O negative is not just O. Okay, I'll yes. look that up when we're talking. Okay. 
O positive can receive from both O negative and O positive, but only O negative can give to O positive. So okay. O positive means that there's an antigen, and if you look it up, the antigen is is described as a foreign substance. That, to me, is a clue. Foreign substance means some kind of genetic mutation or interference from our extraterrestrial scientists. Okay, here it is. Um, it says it's the O positive blood group that the universal donor or not says no, it's the O negative. Yeah, the antigens are proteins or glycoproteins on the surface of red blood yes. cells that can react with the recipient's immune system in such a way that the recipient would be harmed. Okay, so I'm O negative. That's why they were jumping up and down when I was, they sent me and I'm O negative. Like, yes. oh, good, you're the universal blood donor. Okay. What I would like to see is a study on O blood types, whether positive or negative, um, because if you, the, the link that I gave you about that, um, the hidden hand, alien intervention, and government cover-up, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if O means original bloodline, if they, the O blood types, are the more creative more psychic and more empathic of all the blood types. Because Richard and I are both O positive. So we have oh, that okay. foreign substance in our blood. Well, I'm not sure you'd have to do the research. I'd be delighted to publish what you find. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at your one article and I'm trying to read it while we're talking, but I, that doesn't work so good. But that's a very good hypothesis. So what will you do to uh, do the research on that? Because you're both, I would both have positive. To start, no, regardless of positive or negative, I want to study the O blood type and see how many O people say that they have either psychic abilities or empathic abilities or creative in some way in the arts, whether it be music or writing or painting or drawing. Because if you watch that video, it says on there that the um, alien abducted uh, people that he has studied that are generational tend to be more uh-huh. creative, psychic, and empathic. Right. So uh, you know who might have this data? Uh, people that he has Uh-oh. That are generational. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know what's going on. Hold on. I got to turn off the speakers on my computer. Okay. okay. So, um, Ray Hernandez, he probably has some information on that question. Ray, they Ray were, Hernandez? They had those, okay. Yes, of free. So, you might want to drop him a line and just say, you know, do you have any conclusions on this? Okay. Do you have any information? Okay. Because I'm curious about that. That would be great to, to 
find that correlation. I'm pretty sure they did ask something about blood type. But, of course, not everybody knows mm-hmm. the blood type. But maybe maybe they've got some more information on that. Um, okay. That sounds, that's very exciting. So, yes. So this hidden hand, I, I heard about that. I've never watched it. I didn't have time to watch it earlier today. But I plan I on... Um, okay. So who did? Did you watch it, Richard? We, uh, we watched the trailer, and I've been actually meaning to catch up with it for a while. They uh, they used to have it on Netflix, but then it disappeared from there, and now they have it on Amazon Video, so we're going to catch up with it there. Okay, so I expect the report on <laughs> that one. We okay. can't talk about it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> because, um, you know, it takes all of us to do this research. There's only, uh, unfortunately, we're in this time illusion that we only have so much time every day, and and I get tired. I it's like I just like I gotta take a nap. I can't keep my head up. And then I can usually go to around midnight if I just take a break in the middle of the day. But uh, it's really hard to keep up on all the research, and um, that's why it takes all of us to figure out this big giant riddle that we're in the middle of. So thank you. Uh, I look forward to hearing what you find out. So. Um, so what about you, Richard? So you're a multi-generational experiencer as well. So we know Linda has four generations. What about your family? Um, I've often um, said in the past that I wish I could go back in time and have this conversation with my grandmother while she was still alive. Because my grandmother was very... Um, psychically inclined uh, even my grandfather admitted to it he knew it that my grandmother had these abilities to pick up on things read things see things into the future and in more of a prophetic style um in terms of you know things affecting the family and um my mother knew that she was very much uh, a part of it with the um alien contact, uh, being a contactee, um, alien abductions all through her life. It's probably the reason why she felt like she never um, belonged growing up. I mean, you know, she would often tell me that she felt like she was hatched on the front doorstep. She never felt like she had really been part of the family that she grew up in. And, so um, let me have a reference. How how what year was your mother born? Just to get like a, I need to get this from both of you too. So your mother was oh, yeah. born in what year? Nineteen fifty two. Yeah, nineteen fifty two. Okay, nineteen fifty two. Okay, so she's my generation. We're the baby boomers. Yes, yeah, and so am I. I'm a baby boomer myself. So I and, think and my so, grandparents. Um, grandparents. Yeah. What was grandparents, your grand? My grandparents were in the 1920s. I think, I can't be sure. Uh, for some reason, the number 1923 comes to mind, somewhere around there. Yeah, and my my mother was born in 22, and my father in 20. And what about you, Linda? I'm just documenting all this down. My what, mom what was year born were, in 20. Mom was born in 42, dad was born in 39, and I was born in 64. 
So we're my mom and myself were baby boomers. Okay, Linda, born in '64. So you're I'm ten years older than you. Okay, so now we yep. got the the timeline here. So you're so your great or so your your grandmother. Do you have any idea when your you said it was your grandparents? Yes, both of um, my grandmothers were born in 1920. Okay, 1920. Okay. Okay. Okay, so go ahead. So Richard, oh, yeah. explain and, uh, how you know that. She, so she told you, your mother told you about that she was an yeah, abductee experiencer. And, and what, yes, and what was interesting is that when she was much younger, she um she was always um unsure of how to uh i guess explain some of her experiences and of course it didn't help that when i was about maybe oh three years old or something two or three um i had a strange um sickness that the doctors couldn't explain that turned me into almost like a little skeleton because I had lost so much weight that uh, you wouldn't know it now. But um, I had been so emaciated that it terrified my mother. And the doctors just kept telling my mother, don't worry about it. You know, it'll pass. But this was the time frame when the movie The Exorcist came out. And, of course, that scared the living hell out of my mother because... She's seeing what's going on in the movie with the little girl, Reagan, and she was relating uh-huh. that to what was going on with me. And so it, it, at the time, it made it more difficult for her to talk about these things uh, because of yeah. what happened to me when I was extremely young as a toddler, and it looked like I was two inches from death at the time. As I, my eyes were all sunken in. It was, you know, pretty bad. Um, I Did don't they ever any give you a, a diagnosis of what it was? Did they ever tell you what it was that you had? No, the the doctors couldn't figure it out. Um, and I know because I, my mother told me that she says they they couldn't give her a straight answer. So wow. Somehow, I recovered from that, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere after having that for a while, went back to looking normal. Um, And then um, as time went on, um, you know, I started becoming more and more curious when I was an adolescent and a young teenager about, you know, all these things I was seeing on, in the Star Wars movies and on the Star Trek TV shows. And then, of course, I got hooked on In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, and all this stuff started to gel together. And it was my mom who got me hooked on that stuff. So, you know, as as the years went on, it made it easier to open up a dialogue with my mother and have these conversations with her. Um, By the time I had reached the age of 21 and things started kicking off as far as awakening to all this stuff, uh, it was in my... 20s and 30s, early 30s, that um, I would go back and talk with my mom about more of the stuff I was realizing and finding out. 
And it ended up opening up a lot of doors for her and answering a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of like one of those reverse scenarios where <laughs> the child learned more and then went back and taught the parent. But um, right. that I remember my mother putting her arms around me and saying, thank you. You know, you've answered a lot of questions that, you know, I didn't know how to answer on my own. And um, things started making more sense to her. Um, You know, and it wasn't like she didn't have this curiosity in the first place about what was going on. But just putting the pieces together, I think what happened to me as a kid kind of put a damper on that for a long time. And maybe that had something to do with the alien contact issue anyway in my family and there may have been some subconscious thing in her mind that you know she didn't like the fact that it almost took her child away from her so Mm -hmm. um then there's my nieces for my, my brother's kids he's got four girls and they're all extremely gifted in their own way um my oldest one isabel who's now 16 When she was only four years old herself, she, I, I, uh, when I was still living in New York, uh, you know, I could go over and see them anytime I wanted to. And one night I'm visiting and my brother's like, um, (laughs) he says, come in here a minute. We want to show you something. And he looks at his wife, Nancy and Nancy goes and gets Isabel and they sit her down with me in the living room where her little chalkboard is. Um, and Nancy says, you know, tell Uncle Rick what you told us. And because they didn't, they didn't know how to really think about it or what to say about it because it shocked them. So they're like, you know, obviously, you know, yeah, <laughs> let's go to Uncle Rick. Let's talk to him. But um, she, at all of four years old, proceeds to stand there at her little chalkboard with a piece of chalk and starts drawing out the shape of the planet, which in the conversation I had realized was the planet Earth. And she proceeds to draw this one continent on the lower right side of the sphere. And she zings me with a name for it that I know at four years old she could not know where this came from. She says, that's Australia. And I was like, okay. And first of all, at four years old, I'm thinking, uh, how the hell does she know the name Australia or where it is? Right. And on the top part of the sphere or the globe, she draws a circle like a hole in the atmosphere. And she says, "Um, they took me out of this hole and... And that's how she starts off, said, I was taken through this hole, and they brought me to Australia. And then we went underground. And I'm looking at her like, sweetie, how, how, okay, I didn't even know where to begin. First of all, her pronunciation was perfect. I looked at Rob and Nancy, I was like, where the hell did she get the word Australia from? And Nancy had already been on, you know, she had already been on the phone with her nursery school teachers asking them, you know, were you guys having any geography lessons? Well, you know, nothing, 
Nothing matched up. The teachers weren't teaching anything about that at that point. And I asked her, I asked them, I said, is she picking it up on TV? Because they used to, you know, they would always put the Cartoon Network on and she would watch Sponge, SpongeBob SquarePants, all right? Well, mm-hmm. you know, I figured, you know, with all the shenanigans on there, maybe something came up on there. No, nothing. Because Nancy watches what they watch. Um, so she pulls the name of an entire continent, which she has no clue where it is, out of thin air, points to where it is on what she's drawing on the board and says, this is where they took me, my friends. I was like, you know, who's they? Who took you? Oh, my friends took me. And it, we went up in, um, I think it was, she says, um, we went up in this uh, circular device. And so I started asking her, I said, you know, who are these friends? And she had to stop and think about it. And then she got very quiet. And she said, well, they're my special friends who are up there. And they came and got me and took me to Australia. I said, okay, so what was what happened in Australia? Oh, they took me underneath. I was like, you mean like under under the ground? And she goes, oh, yeah. And I said, did they bring you back, obviously? And she said, oh, yeah. They brought me back through the hole in the in the air, and brought me back to mommy and daddy. So, that was something that knocked my socks off hearing that from my four year old niece. And right, because uh, that was the first time, uh, other than other than an experience I had many years before. With uh, with Linda's daughter Jacqueline when she was three years old. Your daughter. My daughter, my star child. Um, this was the next shocking experience I had with a child that young, who was able to consciously articulate with big fifty dollar words what she was talking about, and Great. it was just just blew my mind. I was like, she doesn't know at the time. When I had, um, you know, at the time when they were still younger, when I had first moved from New York to New Mexico, they wouldn't have been able to point to where New Mexico is on the map to save their life. But she knew exactly where right. Australia was. So, you know. So that would make them the fourth generation. Right. So that tells me it's the fourth generation. Uh, so my, my brother's kids are picking up as the fourth generation. Wow. Well, that's great. I love it. So what does that mean to you and your family? How are you handling this? Uh, how do you perceive it? You know, some people say, wow, I'm chosen. Some people say, I want to stop it. What about your, you and your family? How do they look at um, it? Mine is, in my in my family, um, it's always been a case of learning experiences, educational experiences. Now, that that doesn't mean that some of them weren't somewhat strenuous and horrific at times. Um, but I suppose the the difference I would point out is that the experiences are not for me anyway, 
not overtly venomous and abusive. So you're chosen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was I was told early on at the age of 21, you know, we want you to be a you know a teacher, a teacher of the masses. We want you to get the word out there. Um, and granted, I'll be the first one to say that the uh, you know a couple of the more consistent entities that I've been in contact with ever since my early 20s have put me through some um, very trying, time. trying and strenuous experiences, but nothing that is sadistic or malevolent, which I know well, is also going on the experiences you, what were, Give me an example of an experience you would call trying. Um, there was one, okay. So there's one... <laughs> Um, there's one point where um, this is kind of like one of those moments where she was teaching. I say she, I mean the crone, the entity we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like one of those experiences where I learned to be careful what I ask for because I just might get it. Um, there was a time earlier in my life where I noticed um, I was having, even though I've never ever turned my back on what was going on with the more aggressive or malevolent victims of alien abductions, um, I've always been there to defend those people all the way. But I noticed that it wasn't applying to me and it started feeling a little weird being in these uh, kind of like um, these, these, these contact groups that acted like, you know, AA meetings uh, for people who were alien abductees. And that still works, AA. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. and, uh, but, uh, and I started realizing that I, I couldn't absolutely 100% relate to the victim mentality that had been impressed upon them, and rightly so. No denying that's there. So I started asking the question, what the hell's going on? What's the difference? Why is there this huge division between abductee and the other word that came later on, contactee or experiencer? Okay. Um, why, why is the abductee getting... You know, what is that what is that like on that side of the aisle? Because I wasn't feeling it. So to understand that a little better, I went to, <laughs> one of my experiences, I go to the crow and I say, um, what's going on here? Why are those people being so heavily abused? Or what is that like? She says, You wanna know what it's like? She says, Okay. Oh no. But she says, Remember she says, You asked for it and she proceeds to put me through a a, uh, a rather horrific scenario that, granted, she could afford to pull me out of it any time she wanted, but she was going to let me linger in it right to the last second. And in that experience, um, I was put through the ringer with, um, um, in this particular case was kind of like a hollow sweet episode, but it felt damn real. And I was, I thought I was rescuing 
a, um, a hybrid child. And what was running behind me were these, you know, these vicious uh, canines who were looking to tear into me every step of the way. Um, and I was running through this marathon hurdle of obstacles, and eventually I got cornered. And here I am holding the child in my arms and uh, telling her to close her eyes because I knew what was coming around the bend and there was no way to avoid it. Well, at that point, at the last minute, the, there was this glowing hole like a hatch or an opening that opened up above me. turns out it was the bottom of a ship, spaceship. And Ooh. one of the entities reached through the hole, and I understood. They wanted the child. They were giving, they were giving me a means of finishing the mission. But there was still a lesson that was being taught there because they grabbed the child through the hole, shut the hatch, and took off before these hounds of hell caught up with me. And I told them, I, uh, I told them, I said, I know I have to stay. I know I can't go with you. And because it was my job to stop them so that they didn't chase after them further. And after I knew the child was safely gone, they, these, these wolves, these canines who were salivating at the jowls, they actually stood upright on their hind legs and surrounded me. It was almost like they were bipedal, but they could also revert to being four-legged as well. And they proceeded to surround me. And at that point, I was like, okay, okay, this is the end of it. And uh, they proceeded to uh, all just pounce on me at the same time and were basically ripping me limb from limb and uh, tearing out my entrails and everything. And I felt every bit of it. Nothing was held back. At that point, I blinked just from the sheer shock of the pain. And then after I blinked, I realized I wasn't laying on the ground being torn to pieces anymore. I was standing next to the crone. But what she had done was she made me watch the rest of it. I was actually looking at myself now being torn to pieces, and I was still feeling every bit of it. And she turned to me at that point, and she saw the look of um, uh, excruciating pain on my face. And she says, well, she says, now you know what it feels like. She says, now you know how the other wow. half lives. <clears throat> so that was, that was the lesson I learned about what alien abductees go through with those malevolent and abusive experiences. Well, you know, <laughs> none of it's real on some level. We're all just <laughs> making this up. <laughs> and I've heard these things before. There was one, I was sitting at a table with Linda Milton Howe in State College, Pennsylvania, when she was living in Philadelphia. It was probably about 1993, and uh, there was a, a bunch of uh, experiencers, and it wasn't very well known then, but they wanted to meet with this special dinner with Linda, so I, um, I interviewed them 
uh, vetted them and said, okay, you can come, you can come, you can come. And this one fellow said that he was on board a ship, um, and he was there with two kids, and it was a round room, mm-hmm. and there was a barrel, and this uh, the door opened, and this snarling creature, like out of a nightmare, comes through the door and starts to chase all three of them. And so oh. he ended up taking the kids and putting them in the barrel and protecting them, and then he got eaten. It was just a test. It's like, oh, would you protect yourself or these children? So... I guess he passed the morality test. Right. Right. And I, that's what it was for me, too. That's why I had turned to the entity up in the craft, and I said, I have to stay. I can't go. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So we have these tests. They just want to see what you're going to do. So amazing. Yeah. Okay. So, so you have... Your, you have four generations too, Richard. Yeah, Your, it's uh, it's interesting because it's only in recent years that I started focusing more on that. Um, early on in my twenties, I was kind of more looking at it like, okay, what's going on with me? By the time I got to my thirties, I realized, okay, this includes my mother, and I'm gonna make an educated guess and say it included my grandmother uh, because of the way she was. And then by the time I, um, I got into my uh, early 40s, um, I realized it included my nieces as well. Well, my family doesn't really talk about it that much, so I don't know if I would get the same amount of info. So it's good that your family's more open-minded and willing to talk about it. Well, I think uh, so, I think a lot of that happened because of my brother and I. Um, my brother Rob and I, um, we uh, we were more. You probably noticed this yourself. We we were that. Even though we were born in the '70s, we grew up in the '80s. So we were the generation of the '80s. And the 1980s was, in its own way, even though people were still being burned at the stake and hunted down in the streets, um, the 1980s was kind of like a watershed of all this stuff that came on the scene, both in the UFO realm and in the science fiction realm and all this stuff. And Rob and I, our generation, we just latched onto it and sucked all that up and it ended up becoming basically uh, the backbone of our generation that we took into the 90s and the 21st century. So, you know, there's a lot to be said for the 1980s playing a key role. Well, if you remember in 70, I think it was 77 or 78, we had Close Encounters of the Third Time by Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So that started to open minds yeah, and then uh, I don't remember what year was E.T. phone home. Um, it was in the 80s. It was about 82, was 83, in, yeah. Yeah, 82, 83. So those started conditioning people to be more receptive to the extraterrestrial presence on yeah. Earth. And in fact, the way that the, both movies were depicted, that if you didn't 
get that there were aliens, you were kind of like, you know, not the not the groovy person, not the smart person, not the the one in the know, right? You're like, oh, well, you're so yeah. stupid. You don't understand that this is real. <laughs> you know, they're meeting yeah. at the Devil's Tower, and the, these kids are hiding the ET in their house. So yeah, so um, I was so excited when both of those movies came out. I, you know, I was like jumping up and down in my seat. <laughs> Could barely contain myself. Oh, so because yeah. uh, I've I've been experiencing all my life, and it's like. Oh, when are they going to get it? This is so, you know, hard. It's taking uh-huh. so long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Will, so you bring up. Uh, go ahead. You bring sure. up the movie. Go ahead. Um, here's an interesting uh-huh. side note to that. Um, obviously, you know, my my nieces came from the more recent generation. They, you know, never knew anything like Close Encounters or E.T. or anything like that. But um, one time, uh, one particular Christmas, my parents had gotten, when she was much younger, they got Isabel, my oldest niece, a a, sort of like a a life-size stuffed doll of E.T. from the movie E.T. Okay? With the glowing finger and everything. It was life-size. All right? And They, and I thought it was pretty cute. I, you know, there there was nothing about it that could even remotely be seen as threatening. But when they gave it to Isabel for Christmas that year, she actually um, had a negative reaction. She started crying. She was scared of it. She didn't want it near oh, her. Oh, wow. So my brother actually had to hide it because... <laughs> Until she got older, every time she saw it, it terrified the living hell out of her. And this was, uh, I believe, this was around the same time of her, quote-unquote, Australian experience. Okay? Um, So, my mother and I found that quite curious. It's like, hmm, what is she remembering? You know, what is it about this E.T. doll that frightens her and who knows i mean my mother and i analyzed it six ways to sunday the doll itself even though it was soft and plush it was positioned in such a way where the hands of et were up in front of it so because of the long fingers we figured okay maybe that was menacing to her you know some kind of a memory recall in the way the doll was positioned that scared her but we could never put our finger on it except to say that she was recalling something so uh, we found that interesting as well. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so um, did she ever get used to it? Did she ever accept it? Uh, later on, yeah. Um, I, I think it's still flying around the house there somewhere after all these years. But, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think uh, when my second niece was born, Sophia... Uh, she had the same kind of reaction as well at that age. So, there. I don't know. Something that was ingrained in them yeah, that yeah. didn't settle so well when they looked at the E.T. doll. <laughs> That's cute. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't blame them because it's strange to their reality. And if they're having encounters, yeah. they sometimes... Um, 
I remember when I was very little, I would run and jump in my bed. Uh, I would just literally leap. <laughs> I would get close to the bed and just leap in the air because I was afraid of something uh-huh. that was going to grab my feet, going to grab me, going to grab me. But then I would look mm-hmm. at that behavior. I'd say, why am I afraid of something grabbing my feet? It made no sense, you know, on some level. It's like there must be something going on. But I didn't have any way to symbol it because um, there was no one to talk about, like, ETs. But on some level, I knew it. I, I knew it. But they, they you know, when they – let me ask you, do they wipe your mind? Do they do, mm. they do the mind wipe with a lot of experiences, or do they remember yes. things? For me, yes. I have a um, I have a lot of black spots in my memory. I have I have like a slideshow, but not a moving picture in my head of of my childhood. Okay. Did you ever remember them blocking you, like? We're going to erase your memory? Uh, no, but I'm still going through regression therapy with Gloria, so. I had an, I had an ex, uh, a unique experience that kind of crosses over between um, the paranormal and the supernatural. And okay. it was a very odd experience. And you, you brought up blocking and just what happened in the experience wasn't completely blocked out, but there was something that happened happened in it that was I recognized as an intentional act of blocking, and it was my mother passed away in the end of December two thousand and five. So mind you, that's you know twelve uh, twelve years ago. Okay, mm-hmm. um, shortly. There was some strange things happening with her contacting each of us in different ways in the family after she died. So the following 12 months of 2006 were interesting in different ways. Um, what did she, uh, what made her die? What, did she, what, what caused her she to was, cross over? She was battling cancer for about four or five years. Okay. And... It was synovial sarcoma, and it was one of those wacko forms of cancer that can manifest wherever it wants to, uh, in any part of the body, in any organ, in any limb, anywhere. It you know, uh-huh. it wasn't like you know something you would call stomach cancer or liver cancer or lung cancer. It just went everywhere. Okay, and um, wow. so. When uh, I, I talk about that in the book too, the whole uh, the whole uh, scenario with my mother dealing with cancer and what happened with that. But um, in the following year, in 2006, and it wasn't too long after she died. I would say within the first six months, okay, of her passing away, um, mm-hmm. I had a powerful experience where um, she came to me and I didn't realize it was her at first. All I saw was this um, was this person sitting in a wheelchair kind of like shadowed. Like I couldn't fully identify who it was. Okay. 
And we were in, uh, I immediately went up to see who it was. And as soon as I got close enough, I realized it was mom. And I kneeled down in front of her to talk with her. Because I was like, mom, I have, I have so many questions. You know, uh, where have you been? What's going on? I still have a lot more to talk with you about. And um, she got very cryptic in the experience. She says, um, she says, I know. She says, I understand. But you can't be here. You have to leave now. And she says, please tell your brother, please tell Rob that I'm watching over the girls. And I said, but mom, I don't. I don't want to go, you know, what's happening. And I realized the environment we're in was some, it looked like an abandoned, almost like a cross between maybe a hospital or maybe a mansion, something like that, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. Some kind of a cross between an, an old musty mansion or an old abandoned hospital. And there were windows, arched windows all around on the walls ones and as soon as I mentioned that I wanted to stay and talk with her as soon as she told me you have to go I started hearing the windows cracking um, almost like you know cracks in the ice and I turned around and I saw there were these horrific uh, uh, serpent like reptilian monsters trying to, some kind of shadowy reptilian element trying to come through the windows. And I could tell that she was holding the windows up. She wasn't letting them in. And at that point, I understood why she said what she said, and I looked back at her right away, and I said, Mom, we can handle them together. Let me help you. I said, I can take them on. And once again, she said to me, no, you can't. This is not the time to do this. She says, there'll be a different time and a different place for you to go after them. But she says, right now, you have to get out of here. And I said, but mom, we can do this together. And she says, I'm sorry. Tell your brother, I'm watching the girls. And at that point, as these things started breaking through the windows, um, she was holding them off as best as she could, stopping them. And she put her hand on my forehead and knocked me out. And that's when I woke up. And Mm. I can't remember anything that happened afterwards. But I woke up in a cold sweat. And I was just like, holy shit. And (laughs) I I didn't realize my my mother was actually going after these things. And uh, it was was one hell of a wake-up call in that experience. Um. Because these things were definitely trying their best to get through the window and get at me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was almost like she had set up this neutral zone that they couldn't break through. <clears throat> so she's your protector. I guess so. I mean, it doesn't shock me. You know, she was the one who... uh Always wanted to have her own uh, her own command of the enterprise. My father would always laugh at that. So when she was dealing with cancer, um, they had this big long 
white car. Uh, I think it was like a, uh, a Pontiac Regency or something. Uh, uh-huh. It was like a gun, all made of metal. And they would take that into the city all the time to go to the cancer center. And, of course, you know, she dubbed it the Enterprise, and all the taxi cabs were considered the Klingon. So, you know, and uh, my dad was Sulu. So, he, you know, warp speed, Sulu. And he, he would look at her like, how fast do you think we can go? We're in the city. <laughs> she sounds like she had a, a nice personality, good sense of humor. Yes, she did. Yes. And, um, by the way, she, early on, long before she ever had cancer, she had met Linda. And uh-huh. this was many, many years ago. And, uh, First thing out of her mouth after meeting Linda was like, "That's the one. That's your perfect match." Now, oh my why the hell is she happy? <laughs> <laughs> wow! So, yeah, even my mother knew all those years ago. She knew. She knew. Oh, that's wonderful. That's good. You had a good relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, we both had good relationships with our mothers. And both of our mothers died in 2005. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's sad. Okay, well, we're running out of time here. Uh, let's begin to wrap it up. What would you like okay. to say? We can, or we're going to do another show in a couple of weeks, but go ahead. Final words. All right. Well, I guess they dropped, so we will just conclude. Thank you very much for listening today. And um, let me find my exit music here. Here we go. Thank you for being with us. We really appreciate you joining us. And we're going to have back Linda and Richard. Oh, here they are. Here they are. Yeah. You're back. Hi there. Final words. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry about that. Um that's okay. Uh, if you guys want to know anything about us, just visit our official website at ufoteacher.com. <clears throat> yes. Now, are you having a conference this year? Yes, we are. Uh, we're planning on... What are the dates on, uh, of your conference? What's the date? October... It's not set in stone yet, but I'm looking at the weekend of October 19th, Friday the 19th to Sunday. Okay, October 19th to Sunday. All right, and so when you want get to know that set it. in stone, you let us know. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead. Anybody who wants to know about the conference, they can go to the conference site. It's humanoriginsconference.com, and that's the name of it, Human Origins Conference. That's the name of the conference itself. So for Linda and I, it's ufoteacher.com. For the conference, it's humanoriginsconference.com. And the um, the link is on there for the ticket sales, too. Um, we've already got tickets selling for it. So, you know, uh, feel free to um, get your tickets ahead of time there. Excellent. Okay. Well, I will put that on. If you send me those links, I'll make sure they're on the page for the show. And let's start promoting it and make it so. It's fun to have these conferences, and they're very educational, and they get the word out, and they help us wake up humanity because we 
shorty just to wake up. <laughs> All right. Well, I really appreciate having you here. I think I'd be scheduled for two weeks, but I will actually be at um, in Vegas for the IUFO conference, and I'm going to need to reschedule oh, well, that because I think okay. I'm flying. But I'll, I'll send you some dates. Um, I'm going to the UFO Congress okay. in Scottsdale, Arizona. So, All right, we're about to run out of time, so thank you. Much love and blessings and aloha. Until then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. entertainment designed just for you then check out customizable streaming tv from xfinity it makes your life simple easy awesome xfinity gives you customizable streaming tv options enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your tv with x1 go to xfinity.com call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today to learn more restrictions apply